0: Uh, my name is John Givango, publisher of The Elephant, and I'm very honored today uh, to have with us uh, my friend and uh, one of Kenya's leading public intellectuals and political scientists, uh, uh, Professor Karuti Kanyinga, uh, who also happens to be director of the Nairobi University's Institute for Development Studies, IDS which is the i think karuti it is the oldest institute for of development studies in the world it's older than sussex and all the others it is the fa- it is the grandfather of all development studies institutes on the planet
1: actually we are the grandfather in many ways um uh, because uh, we started in 1965 um with uh, funding by the americans um and uh, the most interesting thing is that we have a history that uh, very few people have, remem- have uh, and, uh, and, uh, and remember both that remember IDS was formed um, uh, to start looking at what was happening in the colonies, Uh, Mm -hmm. and the Americans, and a lot of interest in uh, Africa and Latin America. Uh, So it is possible that our first director at IDS was a CIA uh,
2: fellow. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) I
1: didn't With a lot of funding actually to look at the economic uh, aspects of um, uh, post-colonial societies. Uh, This was being revealed much later um, when uh, other researchers came to realize that um, he had come from the RAND Corporation in America. Um, So there was a lot of history there and um, um, very soon actually we are writing this particular history. Um, I'm trying to talk to different people to see how best to tap into their archives. Um, We are also older than uh, uh, Sussex because it started in 1965 to specifically look look at that particular question of um, uh, 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 post-colonial Africa and uh, the type of economic and uh, social developments that were taking place Um, uh, with a view view to trying to have policies that uh, would help in development but we suspect the Western African governments were thinking differently um, about uh, these institutions for development studies. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's how Sussex actually was um, born, also in 1966, after IDS Nairobi, uh, for them to produce theories as uh, we deal with the practice of development. Uh, so we began as um, uh, uh, an institute that is focused um, to deliver on development and uh, shape development patterns, uh, whereas they would theorize on development in the north. Okay. And that's uh, that's uh, how come we are actually the Institute for Development Studies, okay. uh, as opposed to Sussex, which is an Institute of Development Studies. I usually tell people that we are for Development Studies, and uh, uh, four is not uh, a typo, uh, which many people think is a typo. Yes, <laughs> because of Institute of Development Studies, it's not a typo. It's deliberate. That, deliberate. Uh, we are an Institute for Development Studies. Yes.
0: Thank you. thanks, thanks Karuti. Uh, I, I
1: also mentioned that uh, we are we have been uh, um, the IDS Nairobi uh, has been um, uh, housed quite a number of Nobel uh, laureates people like uh, Stiglitz. Oh, so oh yes, Joseph,
0: Joseph Stiglitz came through the IDS.
1: Yes, Joseph Stiglitz was at IDS. Uh, Peter Lewis was at IDS, um, and quite a number of others. Um, uh, right. People who shaped um, what was called actually the Kenya debate um, of the seventies was born at IDS. Uh, the debate on whether development can take place in the periphery um, was just uh, at ideas um, uh, With the data by many people actually producing data from East Africa um, And trying to reflect on what that data meant for development. Oh. That's a story for another day
0: that's a, that's a, it, uh, But it's an important story to be told, but you yes. know, I I, I I Was remiss because I, I, I forgot to start by asking how you're doing um, We are all um, Physical distancing uh, movements are restricted. Are you in Nairobi County, Karuti? Uh, and how and how are you and your family doing?
1: Um, let me say um, I'm doing all right. Um, and I am locked uh, in Nairobi. I mean, the 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 restriction of movements caught me when I was already in Nairobi. I had not traveled uh, traveled that country, and um, um, uh, so the restrictions um, uh, caught me ready in. Uh, uh, Nairobi, and uh, I wouldn't say that I'm doing well, but uh, there is also the fatigue of staying uh, indoors most of the time um, uh, Because when you ask your friends for a meeting, of course everybody wants to meet online yes. uh, Not anywhere else. There isn't much that people are doing that, uh, other than having meetings online and uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I would say that I'm doing all right. And uh, of course, with the challenge of not meeting all friends physically, yeah. as we have always done to have discussions like the one we are having, uh, having now.
0: Good, good. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Stay safe. Um, Thank you. Um, Prof, can you give us your analysis of the political impact of uh, the coronavirus, COVID-19 on on, on Kenya's uh political uh, terrain um, already i mean one of the things that has been noteworthy and has been commented on in, in social media fairly extensively especially um is this very loud silence that we you know that uh, our political class um has been able to dominate uh, basically uh, public space with political noise and and the public follows them to and from, uh, to and fro. But um, uh, the, they're silent now. Um, I think this COVID, obviously, is something which they're still sort of uh, coming to terms with. Um, but you know, but, you know, more, more substantively, what what would you say are some of the uh, impacts on on Kenya's sort of political economy um, now, and as this pandemic continues to play out?
1: Uh, thank you very much um let me let me begin by pointing out that um, coronavirus actually is uh, um, not uh, impacting on healthy systems alone, and therefore it doesn 't uh, take the form of uh, a health uh, problem alone. Um, you notice uh, from uh, how people are responding everywhere across the world that it 's also a governance issue. It's also raising issues to do with the uh, socio-economic aspects of the society. Um, And therefore, it's not something that we should uh, look at from a health systems point of view. Um, It is testing uh, healthy systems, but but in our context, actually, um, across Africa, uh, it is testing even the political system. Uh, It's testing our, um, our social fabric as a society. Um, let alone the economic, uh, system, economic uh, order that has been disrupted completely. Um, in Kenya there is something that is um, uh, very interesting uh, since uh, uh, our first case of coronavirus um, I've never known politicians to um, be scared um, uh, the way they seem to be scared of this virus. All of them disappeared. Um, and they disappeared actually um, uh, in a manner that we haven't seen many of them coming back, um, not even on social media. <laughs> um, and I'm there's not with the, a light touch. Um, and, 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 I'm very serious that uh, for the last two years, uh, politicians in Kenya have dominated every single space that has been available. Um, whether it's economic policy discussions, whether it's political uh, reform discussions, name it. Uh, they have been there with a lot of divisive uh, rhetorics. But with coronavirus, I, I mean, they have disappeared, you know? Um, and and uh, but some of them are tempted to come to the fore. And when they come, they look very incoherent. Uh, some are even uh, wearing suits uh, to issue a press statement um, and they are not leaving their house. Others are waking up very early in the morning wearing a suit as if they are going for a meeting only to realize, no, there is lockdown and they stop at that. So <laughs> um, it's really getting uh, politicians in uh, um, a, a very interesting uh, corner, uh, which is good for our society, I must admit, um, uh, because we have a class of uh, uh, politicians that uh, do not have. Uh, public good uh, in their mind, and, and, and I want to, dem, uh, to to emphasize the point that um, coronavirus, um, um, uh, COVID19, really, the responses to it are responses that require a lot of attention in terms of delivery of public good. Mm-hmm. Our politicians are much more concerned about the delivery of what we can call self-interest goods
2: yeah. mm-hmm. all along,
1: and um, they, they personalize issues there is always the question of what do I do to get political capital and uh, and, um, uh, uh, satisfy my personal interest in this or that. But coronavirus has actually showed that uh, whatever you do, it must be seen from a public good point of view. And since our politicians are not um, uh, 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 wired, if I can say that, uh, to respond to public good and give people what is... Commensurate with public good, they are completely lost. Right? And, but uh, the most interesting thing is that it's not Kenyan politicians alone.
2: No.
1: Um, when uh, you look across the continent, you see almost the same kind of response uh, politicians disappearing. I think uh, it's in, uh, in Ghana, uh, where the opposition is also telling people, wash your hands the way uh, as if you have touched the t shirt of the ruling party. Right, <laughs> wash your soap and uh, uh, wash it very, very, um, very, very well for about twenty 30 minutes, as if you have uh, accidentally touched the T-shirt of a ruling party. That's a slogan in Ghana, right?
2: <laughs>
1: so we, we are we are finding a lot of uh, interesting observations among um, uh, our politicians. Now, um, the second thing to mention is that. Um, Uh, In Kenya here, other than the politicians disappearing, and and we hope uh, that um, uh, they are going to disappear for long so that we we have time to think uh, through as a nation about how to move forward as a country. Uh, The second thing is that uh, COVID-19 is um, uh, making us uh, see how divided we are in terms of class in this country. It's bringing class dimension in a very, very unprecedented manner in this country. Um, You note that um, uh, when you go to town, uh, Nairobi and the other urban centers Mm -hmm. is the middle class or people with an income, people who are employed professionals, uh, people um, with a salary, if I can say that, uh, who are wearing masks, even in supermarkets. The ordinary people uh, downtown uh, in many urban areas uh, are not bothered about masks. No. They are not even bothered about social distancing. Mm. They are not even bothered about many of the guidelines that are put in place. And the reason for this is simple. I've I've, I've been talking to quite a number and um, you realize there are very deep-seated resentments they have um, about uh, 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 Kenya's uh, ruling elites, uh, about Kenya's politicians, about Kenya's institutions and so on. Uh, the first thing is that uh, many of them say we eat social distance, we live on basis of social distance. We eat, if don't, we we eat social distance. Okay. Yeah, we live on social distance. Uh, we don't, we don't, if, we, if you practice social distance, they live on social solidarity.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: It social solidarity it's not distanced sorry if I can correct myself there. The argument here is that if you distance yourself from your neighbor, you are creating basis for being ostracized by your neighbor yes
2: um
1: if uh, you depend on your neighbor for day to day activities cohesion, uh, you leave your child with your neighbor you go to your neighbor for this and that so The social distance that is practiced by um, uh, those who who are privileged to do so is not something that um, uh, uh, can be practiced by the ordinary people. Mm -hmm. Um, We are talking about water to wash their hands, we are talking about soap, but these are privileges, if I can say that. Um, uh, These are privileges uh, 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 for many people, especially in the slums, where water is is very expensive compared to uh, what are in other parts of uh, 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 the city. So, our uh, uh, the, the responses um, uh, to COVID-19 is revealing a lot about our own society in a manner that uh, leaves a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. Um, relating to that, I think we better underline here that um, it's also bringing to the fore very important governance issues. Mm-hmm. It has tended to deepen um, uh, repression of the police and actually points out the way the police have reacted to social gatherings. uh, Shows that they have taken the opportunity to um, uh, repress people and even to be much more present um, uh, in people's uh, daily lives more than uh, ever before and tells us that the police reforms that everybody has struggled to ensure that they are done effectively from uh, uh, 2008, that the police reforms have actually not changed, uh, not uh, had any impact at all. Yes. Um, Probably the best thing that has happened to the police force is the change of uniforms. Yes. From one color to a blue color. Yes. Um, That's the only significant thing that one can say has happened in recent times. Yes. If if we see how the police are reacting to the ordinary citizens uh, 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 who are caught uh, at the wrong place uh, during curfew, uh, caught uh, waiting for public transport. So, um, and the most interesting thing is that uh, across Africa, this seems to be happening. Uganda has become even more repressive. uh, by clamping down on people's rights um, uh, than ever before simply because of uh, uh, COVID-19. So it's giving the space for authoritarianism across Africa. So as an epidemic if I can say that mm. uh, because yes it's pandemic because it's traveling from one country to another. Yes. Uh, but as an epidemic or a disease that we should be worried about within our own boundaries, yes. the response is Uh, seem to be cut and pasted from the West. Yes. Or what has been done in China. Yes. In Europe and America. And I think that is where we are failing as a society. Mm. Now I'm raising that simply uh, to demonstrate again that our institutions of governance, uh, both political um, and administrative institutions in this country, still not to have actually studied uh, the responses to an epidemic of this nature. Mm-hmm. Um, the countries in the West are going for lockdown because they have very high levels of urbanization. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore lockdown um, is accompanied also with a lot of services. They provide a lot of services. I mean, you can go to a supermarket, get what you want, you can do this and that. Our telecommunication infrastructure is in place and so many other the things. And, and employment levels are not that high. When we start thinking about lockdown, curfew and other measures within our context, Yes. It, it sends very wrong signal. It means that actually we have not studied the nature of our society mm. to ask what is the most appropriate measure that we should have.
2: Mm.
1: Now, you can imagine having a cafe in the rural areas where people sleep at 8 p.m. because they have done a very hard job
2: yeah, and
1: they right. must wake up at 4 a.m. to milk their cows
2: yeah.
1: and take their a cows to a market center by 5 a.m. Yes. Um, our level of urbanization, is not as high as in, uh, uh, in Europe. So um, my argument is that some of these measures that we have taken also um, are measures that have, have not really been uh, reflected upon. And I don't think we have brought our sociologists, our economists, our psychologists to really tell the government Look, as as professionals who have faced epidemics before, we think this is the thing we need to do.
0: There are those who are arguing that um, the the sheer scale and and uh, impact of the uh, of the economic uh, contraction that is underway, uh, the sort of the political discombobulation that you are describing, and then the social disruption that is underway, um, means that. even when we have dealt with this um, pandemic you know epidemic at the local level um, life will not return to normal Uh, and i'll be very interested in in your reflections of of what life will look like um let's say um you know they're saying maybe six months to to a year before they find a, a Vaccine, um, and so this, you know, until these uh, infections are managed, it could be some months that we are living in these sort of uh, new, new restricted arrangements. Um, what happens to, you know, we were talking of a, of a referendum this year, Tangatanga, uh, tanga, uh, uh, building the BBI. You know, those, those were the things that Kenyans were preoccupied with. Um, and all of a sudden, it's as if somebody has pressed a giant political uh, pause button. Uh, is it a pause or is it a stop? Uh, and when, it's, when the finger is lifted, uh, will things just start up
2: again?
1: Uh, John, John, when we were young, um, as political scientists at the University of Nairobi, um, we used to experiment with a lot of theories. We'd read theories and then look at them very um, um, uh, quickly and see what they imply for the society. Um, and one thing that was certain in those days, um, not long time ago, was that uh, we came to realize that uh, every crisis, especially a crisis that takes political forms, yeah.
2: uh,
1: produces uh, different types of leaders and uh, cannibalizes, if one can say that, cannibalizes institutions, cannibalizes leaders who fail to respond to the moment of the time.
2: Okay.
1: And this coronavirus is likely to be that particular kind of a crisis that is going to cannibalize our institutions and our political leaders.
0: That's, that's very, very interesting. Can I provoke into spec into into a bit of speculation into into which which, which which institutions do you see being degraded and and where have, where may we uh, where is it that we may have started to see the glimmers of new kind of uh, leaders coming to the fore uh,
1: uh, to begin with um uh, so far we have not seen our national parliament whether the senate or the national assembly that's true emerge, uh, to give direction that's true Um, uh, they have taken uh, uh, the idea that uh, the reason for that is because they cannot physically meet. Um, And again, many people say that it's because these people are afraid of death more than anything else. (laughs) Um, But uh, governments everywhere in the world now are using teleconferencing, Google Meets. And this is a very simple thing uh, to do. We would be seeing them giving policy direction or... Uh, 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 providing um, uh, policy guidance, uh, if one can say that, or debating certain issues that require. But our national parliament is the first institution that actually will come out of this crisis uh, fairly weakened, if I can say that. Um, Let's also not forget that um, uh, the national government ministries are also showing a lot of incoherence in how they want to approach devolution. We may come out of this crisis with the uh, 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 devolution of healthcare care highly, um, uh, highly impacted negatively by uh, coronavirus because we have seen the National Ministry of Health uh, trying to take over, uh, claw back some of the gains uh, on uh, devolution, um, which is not a very good thing because you cannot appropriate a crisis of this nature. Uh, to weaken institutions, to the constitution that's already uh, made. So I, I'm, I'm simply saying even our own constitution itself may actually be um, uh, impacted negatively by how we respond to this particular crisis. One can go on and on and say that this is the time for vigilance. Uh, We have already already talked with you about um, the repressive nature of uh, the state itself and uh, uh, how that one seems to be deepening uh, and producing the opposite of what the WHO guidelines about social distancing should be. Uh, The police and how they are managing crowds is is producing completely different type of results. So I'm simply saying that when I look across the board, there are some institutions that uh, will come out of this crisis weaker, and if, and God forbid this, um, if we have many deaths like, of, uh, like what we are seeing in, uh, in U.S., Italy, and Spain, um, I don't think the current crop of Kenya's leadership will survive that. Uh, not survive physically, but I don't think uh, people depend on them again uh, for direction. New leaders will emerge and fill that particular void of incompetence. And mediocrity one can say that. If our leadership shows mediocrity and incompetence, like Trump has done in U.S., very very fast that void is going to be replaced by those who will show direction and uh, um, uh, 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 show a very coherent way of dealing uh, with it. Already we have seen some county governors coming out very strong uh, in terms of preparing preparedness uh, in their counties. But it's a question of wait and see. If the crisis continues to deepen, I think we are going to see a great, great, great turnover uh, at election time of these leaders. Uh, uh, People not uh, not not, not, uh, have time for them um, uh, uh, again. But let's also not forget that the churches, and most of the Catholic church, if I can say that, um, will come out of this crisis more beaten than uh, ever before. Uh, and it's uh, simply because of how all of them have re- how some of them reacted in the early days of the crisis. Correct. Not giving a care to the fact that people are likely to suffer when you congregate. Uh, the Pope himself demonstrated there is a need to do a mass alone to avoid infections. But our Catholic Church disowned the guidelines and um, went against what the government was putting in place and proceeded on uh, with Masses in the initial days. Um, Other churches also uh, did almost the same. Um, And I think evangelicals are going to come out of this um, uh, with a lot of losses and because they have been preaching prosperity gospel.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, um, Now, uh, unless no matter how many pay bills they have, uh, people have nothing because of economic uh, challenges people are facing, uh, even tithing. Um, it's not there anymore, um, and people are going to question a lot, even Holy Communion that has been given and people have been always told that you must have Holy Communion, you know. Um, even that one is changing, people are realizing, asking I questions now, um, that this coronavirus has made people do things that have never been done for the last 2,000 years in church. So it's a moment where people are going also to the basics, not only in terms of political institutions, but also questioning very hard um, uh, about what do we need need to do about religious institutions. Uh, In other words, it's the time to call to order all institutions to provide public goods. Uh, Don't forget that even the way people bury their loved ones has changed.
0: changed. That's right. You
1: can't have a gathering of more than 15 people, and you can imagine even if you are a polygamous family, you are being to make cho- you are being told to make choices. Mm. So coronavirus is having impact even at the institutions of culture, mm. cultural institutions and values are being called to question. Mm. Um, so we we are not in a we are not in a normal state state of being. Uh, we are in a new abnormal situation uh, and it's going to produce new normal and very different types of direction as we move into the future.
0: One of the challenges um, that has faced many African countries that are still developing um, has been uh, just weak, weak state capacity. Uh, just a weakness in the capacity just to deliver public goods to to its to to citizens for a variety of reasons, you know, just uh, lack of uh, trained human beings, uh, corruption, you know, incompetence, a whole range of of, of issues, um, and that causes one to to pause and and ask uh, uh, what the political uh, impact of this will be across Sub-Saharan uh, Africa um, uh, in terms of the stability of nations. Um, and their capacity to be able to survive uh um, this pandemic if it if it reaches those proportions that we have seen in the us in italy in spain um you know could we be talking of you know uh, state failure uh, in, in in some countries um and then uh, the flip side of that um the challenges that you're saying uh, this pandemic presents us with does it also present an opportunity for us to, to reimagine and to rethink uh, the design of the states in, in, you know, in countries like Kenya uh, Zimbabwe etc where we have uh, essentially um, apartheid uh, colonial Structures still in place that so far have seemed fairly impervious. Uh, He said, "One of the things this crisis has shown us is the failure of police reform. Uh, But you know, the Kenya police was not designed to to serve the people; it was designed to protect a few settlers. And um, so, um, you know, am I being overly optimistic in thinking that this also is also an opportunity to to make some positive changes?"
1: Uh, uh, Let me um, begin by pointing out that actually it depends on uh, the magnitude of the impact of the crisis in each country. Yes. Uh, Where the crisis is going to have very deep consequences on both the economy um, and other sectors uh, uh, of the society. Yes. We are going to see uh, people demanding reconfiguration of their their state. We are likely to see a pricing in some countries, depending on how the government is going to respond to the crisis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If uh, there is lockdown in a country and the poor people will be going for days without uh, livelihood, we shall see more people getting into the streets to demand resignation of the of, of, of their government. Um, there are already uh, countries that were suffering uh, fragility, even before the crisis. Those countries do not have very good health system. Now, if the number of deaths increase, it's going to have uh, a lot of implications for their own political and governance systems. Yes. Togo, for instance, you can see what's happening there. Uh, we have seen countries like Uganda that were preparing for elections next year. Already someone has gone to court, I think in Uganda, I don't know whether the matter has been resolved, um, asking that the elections be postponed for another five years because of coronavirus, right? Um, it's these small uh, things that uh, will completely overwhelm the uh, existing uh, government and uh, depending on how the government will respond to them, we are likely to see a appraisings that will even lead to some of the governments in Africa being uh, toppled. But even if if that does not happen, uh, 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 in our context here, what I see happening, uh, if there is an inadequate response to uh, the challenges ahead, is a total uh, uh, overhaul of our uh, political institutions. And we are likely to see many politicians losing their seats in the next election and very new leaders coming into being. Uh, to, uh, and they'll be coming simply into, into place uh, because they will be associating they will be associating with public goods rather than self-interest. Um, any politician now who starts uh, um, uh, behaving as if they are much more interested in self-interest and promoting political capital uh, using this crisis for political gain will be the loser. I uh, uh, will be the losers, uh, again, simply because this crisis, actually, is having a lot of consequences on uh, uh, ethnic profiles of this country. Uh, this this uh-huh. crisis does not respect Kikuyu or Akalejin or no. alu it, it treats everybody equally. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah.
1: So, whether whether one has been supporting Kileweke or Tangatanga. The crisis is going to have a common impact, um, a similar impact on everyone, and uh, those divisions are going to be dissolved. And the leader who comes and writes on dissolution of those particular divisions is the person that Kenyans are likely to, uh, to go for if the crisis continues to have a lot of impact in, in the society. Mm-hmm. It, it does not matter uh, who the studying, uh, uh, who has been leading in the past in terms of um, uh, politics. Those people are likely to be swept aside if. Uh, we have more negative consequences uh, from this crisis. Um, I, I have seen in social media, some people saying, uh, they'd like this crisis to be protracted in order to change the nature of our institutions and our politicians to be impacted at all. Oh. oh, yes. That's,
0: that's, that's, a, that's a high cost, uh, but you know all change is painful. Um, uh, just a, a, final, a, a final question, uh, Prof. Um, you know, over the last 30, uh, 30 years in particular, uh, governments across sub-Saharan Africa, um, Kenya being one of the leading ones, have implemented policies that have seen the state withdraw from um, taking up a leading role in investment in education, in health. Uh, there's been this, you know, we bought into the the idea of, uh, this minimal state, and that the market is more efficient uh, than than uh, uh, than everything else, and that these incompetent, large, corrupt states, uh, uh, you know, sh- should should be shrunk down, and let the private sector do more efficiently what the state, these corrupt states, cannot do. Yet, when confronted with this crisis, it this, the, the sheer scale of it uh, has sh- has shown that. Uh, It requires uh, the state uh, to be you know to be involved uh, in uh, the provision of health uh, the provision of education I I look very much at sort of the different responses in a place like Britain where the Prime Minister has gone to to a local hospital uh, when he unfortunately became infected with coronavirus and um, and in, 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 in places where the health systems are more fragmented, um, we can see already that the, more of the poor people, more of the minorities are dying in parts of the US, uh, mm-hmm. where there were different health systems. So what does this mean for the entire development model that we have been implementing so enthusiastically for three decades now? Uh,
1: uh, 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 this means that actually we need to go back to the basics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um, I, I think uh, we have said before um, that uh, there is no single institution, there is no single sector of the economy that is not negatively impacted upon by the crisis. Uh, maybe with a caveat that, uh, um, with a caveat that uh, only the telecommunication <laughs> uh, industry seems to be doing exceptionally well because. Um, uh, that's where now the investments have, sh- have shifted to in the last three months. Yeah. Um, uh, building very strong capacity for networking through, uh, through uh, tele- teleconferencing, for instance, and so on. Um, but all the uh, basic uh, developmental infrastructure that we have had, um, people are questioning uh, the developmental models that we have had before. Um, I think everybody's going to go back to the basics. Uh, one thing we know for sure is that uh, traveling is not going to be easy from now onwards. No. This crisis is going to have another impact, like September 11. 9/11 is going. 9/11, we are dealing with its consequences in terms of security. There is no single airport you'll go to today and travel the way you used to travel before 9/11. No. Uh, you are risk no. completely. You remove your shoes. You. They have invented machines where they will have to check X-ray machines um, in spite of radiation and so many other things. Mm. Um, I believe uh, COVID-19 is also having, going to have its own impact. Uh, Travelling is not when you travel to Britain and you have 14 days of quarantine mm. um, before you are released to a conference, right? Um, so the developmental models and uh, how we are, we shall be investing in public for public institutions, the role of the markets, the role of the private sector and the role of the state, both of them are going to come to increasingly a lot of scrutiny as we move forward. Um, I think many countries are not going to let the markets dictate the, the future direction alone. No, no. Because we have seen that um, where there is a heavy investment by the private sector in uh, private healthcare, uh, the poor are not reaching best best care at this particular time. Um, even in our context of Kenya here, uh, the rich are buying a ICU beds and putting them at their homes.
0: I've heard that. I've heard,
1: I've heard that also. And uh, the question to ask is. Uh, Are the doctors going to pay attention to the private uh, individuals in their homes Yes. or to the poor in Kenyatta National Hospital? Correct. So all this, um, after this crisis, I think we are going to reflect a lot on um, the model of uh, investments in public uh, infrastructure, the role of the private sector. We are going to question very hard um, the kind of models that we have had for development. Uh, Just the same way people are going to question political leadership. Um, we did mention from uh, about, uh, earlier that uh, we have had the Kieleweke, uh, Tanga Tanga, we had uh, discussions of, on uh, referendum, we had the BBI. Uh, I don't think there is any leader who is, who, 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 uh, who is um, uh, concerned about his future career who can mention those concepts anymore and survive this crisis. Um, I, I bet if anyone uh, talks about BBI now or referendum, the backlash is going to be heavy. <laughs> one
0: one final question, Professor um, Karuti, you 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 know you've been a, a a public intellectual and an academic all your life, basically, um, and we had reached a point um, around the world where experts, academics the academy itself had come to be a space that was frowned upon, um, that uh, governments di- divested from. Uh, even when I look at the, you know, the Nairobi University where you are, um, and I, when I, you know, the, the Nairobi University that I used to go to uh, in the 80s uh, is dramatically different from the one that, uh, that we have now. Um, in terms of just capacity. um, You know, it is much less, you have a lot more private sector buildings named after uh, rich individuals uh, and and, and foreign governments. Um, And um, there has been an anti-academic, anti-intellectual kind of um, environment created by the political class, not only in Kenya, but around the world. And you know hostile to experts. Um, yet I, I would like to think. I mean, my immediate observation is that I, I, I as in, this, in doing this series on coronavirus for for, for the elephant, I have spent my time looking for experts and academics like yourself around the world to comment on it. So, um, are we uh, on the verge of uh, the rebirth? uh or, or, or the return to relevance of our academic intellectual uh, class in our societies as we seek for answers of of how we're going to define our new reality in the in you know in the new rea- in, in, the, in the new normal that uh, coronavirus is bringing um
1: uh, l- let me uh underline two things here um African governments have no respect for experts. They have no respect for professionals. And that's why they have um, been uh, underfunding public universities. Um, Except in South Africa, I do not know any other government uh, in Africa that gives money uh, to its own academia for research that they can use uh, for development policies and so on. Um, in Kenya here, matters got worse uh, during the MOI period. Um, the MOI regime actually is the one which uh, completely cut the link between the academia and the public and, and uh, public in, other public institutions mm. and government ministries in the past.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, my own department, uh, my own institute ideas used to, to actually produce national development plans. Yeah. I used to advise uh, the Ministry of, Tra- uh, of Planning and I used to do things together with the Minister of Planning. Uh, across all sectors uh, to inform government policy making and implementation. And the same can be said about universities across Africa. Um, So it's not the structural adjustment program that created this disconnect. It's the regimes uh, that came uh, uh, later on to realize that uh, uh, if we depend on experts, I think uh, we cannot satisfy our political needs um, uh, of uh, staying in power the way you want to stay in power. Um, we cannot deliver uh, on self-interest the way we want to deliver on self-interest. So uh, many governments uh, depend on the information from their national security intelligence, information that is not drawn using science. So many governments uh, in Africa uh, depend on rumors to make their policies, if one can say that, um, and uh, ad hoc collection of uh, collection and analysis of data. And that's true of many governments, except I think the government on, you know, of South Africa, because I'm saying that because I'm privy to the fact that the government of South Africa actually funds uh, all universities to produce uh, research uh, that is relevant to government uh, uh, policy making and implementation. Um, you'll not. You should be. Uh, it should not surprise anyone to know that, uh, actually, uh, even in Kenya here, Kenyan experts produce uh, research uh, work that is consumed more by government in the West than our own government.
0: That's true.
1: Um, Americans, um, the Danes, the Swedes, the British. Uh, most of their approach to development in sub-Saharan Africa is informed by data by African scholars. And our African governments do not bother about such data. Um, and uh, uh, governments in the north also depend on their universities uh, to know what to do about uh, even pandemics of this nature that we are talking about today. It, their interventions are informed by what their universities are because they use science to do so, Uh, but in our context here, I think uh, we need to underline very carefully that uh, we completely forgot about the role of the expert, Um, but we have seen uh, that um, in recent times, I I think as a result of this uh, coronavirus uh, uh, spread, we have uh, seen uh, increasing tendency of people picking telephone and uh, asking experts, what do we do? This has never been there before, by the way. Um, I've seen uh, quite a number of commentaries by my own colleagues at the University of Nairobi uh, uh, taking a lead um, uh, in some of these uh, initiatives. So um, we hope that this is a a new beginning to depend on uh, experts' opinion rather than uh, anecdotal rumours by politicians and others to make policies. And I am serious that in Africa, um, many governments make policies using... uh, ad um, hoc data, national intelligence uh, data that is collected, not in a scientific manner, um, but they have ignored science uh, throughout. Um, and uh, you cannot, you can see that uh, on basis of, um, when you look at uh, the design of quite a number of development projects and wha- how they fail.
0: Thank you, I mean, on, on, on that, I, I feel that is a quasi, quasi hopeful note uh for, for for our academy but um but, but
1: you, you, let, let me um and uh, uh, also with that kind of comment that i made because you asked about the investor in nairobi um yes um there is a an emblematic uh, symbol of the investor in nairobi called taifa hall yes uh taifa hall is renowned throughout africa actually globally as a place for debates all the debates in africa about uh, even transformation of africa uh, development uh, initiatives in Africa. Uh, that was a place for very huge debates in the 70s and the part of the 80s. Correct. Again, it's uh, the, uh, the, the regimes uh, that we have had uh, uh, from Moï to, to present that have never tolerated uh, uh, economic freedom and freedom of expression in particular that led to the university leadership fearing to open such spaces for big debates about transformation of the society Um, but uh, we can say that with the current leadership at the University of Nairobi I've seen increasing tendency of saying let's debate Mm -hmm. Um, and I can tell you for the last two years or three years I've not seen anyone being stopped from giving a talk uh, Mm -hmm. at the University of Nairobi which which is something that is positive um, except that uh because people are used to the old ways of doing things very uh, few people have, have appropriated uh, this kind of opening to,
0: to call the experts i'll be calling on you again as we observe uh, continuing political and social developments in kenya as a result of COVID-19 thank you very much and, and have a good evening have a
1: good evening, uh, a good evening as well john and uh, i hope to listen to you again and uh, have a discussion on this Thank um, you. we are living on uh, unprecedented times, and uh, we hope people are going back to the basics and think about uh, how to supply public goods. Perfect,
0: absolutely, Thank you, that's that's guaranteed. Have a
1: good evening. Good evening. Thank you.